Paradise by Encyclopedia. Chapter 3. Present. Izuku is a fast learner. It doesn't take too long for him to become skilled at foraging on the reef, recognising food and foe underwater, and reading the moon cycles and their tides. He's even become acquainted with the unicorn fish, the cone snail, and the other denizens of the reef, and he's promptly drawn them in his notebook upon reaching shore. Just three moon cycles since his stranding, and Ochako feels as though she's made an ally on this unforgiving island, rather than a liability as she first fought. He's even begun to swim better, although without fins, she's aware that his skill comes with an upper limit. Nevertheless, her days feel fuller than they ever had before. More enjoyable. More adventurous, even. She's happy to wake up in the morning if it means spending most of the day with Izuku and seeing his smile upon catching more clams than yesterday. His curiosity is infectious, and now that they both watch over each other, Ochako feels safe to venture out into the deeper reef in search of food and wonder. And it's his wonder that never wavers. He's still asking her questions about merfolk culture. Early evenings and late mornings are spent huddled on the sand in his hut, talking and laughing the sun away. Stories of their past lives, information about the sea and its inhabitants, and even bouts of comfortable silence are shared during these times Ochako quietly admits are her favourite. Whatever reservations she had harboured before have now gone out to sea, never to return. She gladly explains her pod's migration cycle, the kinds of fish she'd normally eat if the whole pod were still with her, and their culture, dictated by the star's positions. Izuku listens intently, scribbling happily in his notebook as if she were in an interview. Likewise, Ochako can't help but stare in wonder as Izuku tells of large cities made of stone and bustling wharfs filled with the ocean's treasures, from pearls to fish as big as a man. It's after one such conversation about the ocean's bounty that Izuku gets to work on something. He's happy to still converse with Ochako, but he steals time away from foraging many days in a row in order to create a flimsy contraption he explains to be a fish net. Ochako has to admit it looks sort of like the fish catchers her pod used to make for hunting, and Izuku says that's exactly what it will do. There's only the two of us, and I'll be no good at catching fish. He says, continuing to weave strips of palm tree bark he'd strip with a sharpened rock. But with this, you and I can catch a lot of fish very quickly. Ochako isn't sure how and voices this concern, but Izuku promises to explain in more detail once he's happy with its length. After a few days, the invention is complete. A long net with a long rope on one side. It's early in the morning that Izuku presents it, after finishing it off overnight as Ochako slept. He looks so proud of himself, those green eyes appearing to sparkle even under the grey, overcast sky as he reviews his handiwork. Izuku drags the net into the water, moving it about to test the durability. Once happy, he hands one end to Ochako. She takes it tentatively, unsure of what to do and wanting nothing less than to mess this up for him after he'd spent so much time on it. Her expression says it all, knitted brows and confused eyes darting from one end of the apparatus to the other. She's confused and nervous. Seeing this, he smiles and speaks softly. We're going to do this together. If it doesn't work, it definitely won't be your fault. Still nervous, Ochako nods. Izuku continues to explain. The trick is to get this thing to spread as wide as it can and sweep over the reef really fast. I want you to swim out until you feel me pull on the other end, then swoop around back to the shore as quickly as you can. I'll be pulling my end from the shore too. It seems simple enough, and Ochako nods again with an affirmative Okay. On his mark, she dives into the surf and makes a beeline for the reef. She can see the community already out and about despite the lack of sun today. 
They see her coming and scurry in every which way to escape her. Ochako believes in Izuku and his invention so much, she is convinced their running is futile. When she feels the tug of the net, she switches gears, from swimming out south to bolting to her right, arcing back around to shore with the net in hand. The net drags in the water, becoming heavy as she tries with all her might to pull it forward. She's hoping this means the net is full of delectable fish, and the suggestion of it excites her. To think, after all these moon cycles, she can finally eat something other than clams! She rides the next wave in. She turns and... The net is empty. The strips of tide bark lie empty on the sand, pushed out of the ocean by a tiny surf. Izuku looks disappointed, but not exactly frustrated. He's raised his hand to his chin in thought, his eyes moving over the net. As he'd said, he wasn't blaming her, he's blaming his own invention quietly to himself. He knows something's wrong with it, and he voices this almost inaudibly as he moves closer to its centre. Achako doesn't ask. They've been together on this island long enough for her to know his endless muttering means there's a solution at the end. So she waits. In a minute flat, Izuku comes up with that solution, and he's working again, this time trying to figure out how he can attach rocks to the arbitrary bottom of the net. Ochako leaves him in his little hut to work in peace and goes out to the reef for foraging. Upon her return some hours later, he's eager to try again. And fail. Many times. He seems frustrated that they still aren't catching anything. Not a darn thing still, he mutters under his breath, and it takes the rest of the afternoon to finally come to the last version of Izuku's invention. It's now a long, small mesh net made of palm tree bark strips, weighted on the bottom with stones, the top half floated by buoyant coconut shells. The idea is to keep the darn thing open as we both yank it through the water, Izuku says in a manner that makes it all too obvious he's exhausted, to put it lightly. And, of course, moving their fishing area from the coral reef to the seagrass bed in Ochako's lagoon is another idea hatched from his mind after considering it all day. Izuku explains his reasoning as they swim around the rocky barriers together. Probably should have thought of this before, but all the fish on the reef are probably hiding in the coral as we sweep by. We'll catch more this time. I'm sure of it. Ochako believes him. It makes sense. Above all, she has pride in him. They get to fishing immediately upon reaching the secret shore. Again, she's swimming out south, and upon feeling him tug on the other end, she sweeps to her right. She drags the net in behind her, pounding her tail with all her might as Izuku pulls on the rope attached to his end across from her. The net is so long they just about cover the whole secluded lagoon. The rocks attached at the bottom scrape the seabed, leaving plumes of fine sand in their wake. The fishing science here isn't new to Ochako. Scare the fish out of their secret layers, catch them in the open. It is a group of strategy. They certainly could borrow the idea. As Izuku and Ochako pull the net onto shore, it doesn't suddenly become light once the ocean lets go of it. Instead, it seems to get heavier, and it takes them both to haul it onto the sandy shore. A green and brown lump lies caught and rolled up in the net, slowly leaking water as it deflates on land. Izuku sighs, and a pit falls into Ochako's stomach. Lots of seagrass, looks like. Ochako mumbles beside Izuku, and he nods in agreement. But there could be fish in it! He nods again, this time with a hopeful smile. That's true. Let's go through it. And boy does it pay off! Unwrapping the net reveals a plethora of colourful fish, orange crabs with threatening pincers, and even large shrimp that Izuku voices he wasn't expecting. He promptly transforms from a hungry fisherman back into a scientist, and Ochako chuckles as he mutters, gasps, and shouts about all of the discoveries trapped in the net. 
Every animal she's seen a thousand times is a brand new experience for him, and she watches him fondly. Seeing him this excited, even after all this time, warms her in a way she isn't about to unpack. So what if she enjoys his company this much? Yes, he's a human, but with no merfolk around to judge her, she feels free to let her feelings take her wherever they might. She can't help but enjoy him, and that fluttering, like butterfly fish swimming up into her chest, is a feeling she relishes. The irony of the thought doesn't escape her as he shows her a small yellow and white fish. He explains to her that humans postulate the black spot on its back is meant to confuse predators, like sharks. She nods, telling him she thinks they may be onto something. They've collected a number of crabs and long silvery fish before they decide they've caught too much for the night's dinner. That's a good problem to have, Izuku says with a lofty sigh. I guess we'll throw them back. He seems a bit upset at letting a lot of his scientific discovery go, sighing again as he crouches down to the net to dislodge a bright orange seahorse. You should bring your notebook next time. Achako flashes him a smile and it seems to lighten his mood. (laughs) I should, shouldn't I? He chuckles as they quickly throw back their catch. It's like a rainbow of discovery as Ochaka reminds Izuku the fish need water each time he stops and stares at yet another species he'd never seen before. Ochako shakes her head bemusedly as she uncovers the next section. She gasps when the next chunk wriggles wildly and she holds her hands to herself, allowing whatever is inside to settle itself down. Izuku stops what he's doing to warn her it's possible they caught something dangerous. Do you think it could be a shark? Izuku asks. Ochako smiles. She absolutely loves it when he looks to her for guidance and her expertise, being as smart as he is. Chuckling, she shakes her head. (laughs) If it's a shark, I'll eat my own tail fin tonight. Izuku grins. You know I'll hold you to it. I wouldn't expect anything less. I'm a merfolk of my word. Removing the seagrass reveals the unicorn fish in all his fat, green-grey glory instead. His fin pectoral fin rises into the air as he struggles, his tail fin hitting the sand uselessly with a whap. Ochako and Izuku look at each other. Well, that's not a shark. Ochako states with a shrug. The fish is certainly more than they can handle, they silently agree. He's quite large and those razor-sharp spines by his tail are more dangerous than they're worth, especially when they've caught easier prey already. They also agree on one other thing as they gently return him to the sea. They'd miss seeing him out on the reef. Ochako yells into the surf as they watch the unicorn fish swim back into the seagrass. Just remember that we caught you! Izuku snickers. It takes quite a long time to return all the catch to the sea. The sun is quickly setting as they reach Izuku's camp and he begins preparing the fire. It's dark by the time the crabs and fish are cooked to perfection on their skewers, and they, or Izuku at least, can start eating. Ochako would have opted to eat the fish raw as she always had, but cooked fish was worth the wait, especially after the day had been cool under the overcast sky. With the sun gone, the South Pacific trade winds coax a rare chill up Ochako's spine and numb the tips of her tail flukes. Sitting by the hot fire and her warm friend is all she can do to stay comfortable. She curls up to him as he hands her a skewer with a partially browned fish, expertly descaled and salted by her own skilled hands. Izuku doesn't flinch anymore when they eat like this, side by side, almost on top of each other to combat the way the wind chills their damp clothes and hair. The fire only does so much. The other person was all they had in the whole world, it seemed. Is anyone looking for them? 
Beyond the orange glow of the campfire, the world seems devoid of other humans or merfolk. It's impossibly dark out there. The ocean is a deep black that would seem to join the equally inky sky had the latter not been littered with stars like glittering dust. The moon is bright and clear tonight too, shining its white light down from the heavens to reflect off the disturbed surface of the water, only to get lost in the black. It's the only indication that something other than that within the fire's glow exists. It's also impossibly quiet. The trade winds rustle through the palm fronds, the ocean crawls up and down the sand, and the fire hisses as the wood is dried in its heat. Nevertheless, the silence moves amorphously between these sounds to still the world outside Ochako's mind. The question had always burned there, first as a petering flame of hope that pushed her through the day and now as an ominous end to this newfound bliss with Izuku. Life is certainly different now, and spent on land much more than before. His inventions have greatly improved life on the island, from his fishing net, to his calendars, his makeshift pens and paper, knives made of rock, fire, clay pots, and machines to separate the seawater from its salt. Izuku is amazing. Food somehow tastes better, the sun somehow shines brighter. And she didn't want it to end. If her pod showed up one day, she no longer knows what she would say or what she would do. Would she leave with them? Would she leave Izuku here on the island alone after all they'd built together? Ochako bites into the fish, the flaky meat and salt dissolving between her teeth as she considers that scenario becomes more unlikely as the days draw on. Moon cycle after moon cycle, her pod did not appear on the horizon. She doesn't want to think that the storm had left her there all alone, that there is no one left to look for her, that they are gone. She felt guilty and she couldn't place why. It hadn't been her decision or her mistake to leave the safety of their reef. With humans encroaching upon their territory, it was either face them or take their chances with the storm. They chose the latter. And now they'd paid the ultimate price anyway. Such was life in the unforgiving seas, but Ochako took another bite of her fish more forcefully at the cruelty of it all. Her anxiety must be obvious because Izuku questions it, his voice penetrating the still night, just barely audible over the crackling fire. Are you okay? Ochako jumps to it. She had been lost in her thoughts for who knows how long, and now her friend's green eyes are staring in worry, eyebrows knitted above them, waiting for her to answer. Ochako sighs and shrugs. She had to assume the worst now. Her pod was gone. They were gone because of humans, and as much as she'd like to tell him the reason for her downcast mood this evening, she elects not to. She could never blame him for those circumstances. The idea spawned another, this time about Izuku. Are there other humans looking for you? Izuku seems to be taken aback by the sudden question. It's obvious he wasn't considering it at all, at least not as he enjoyed his dinner. Ochako knows it's a random thing to ask after all this time. The two of them had been so eager to learn about each other's pasts that the idea of what was to come in the future had never occurred to them. For a while, Ochako had considered Izuku a blip in her life. He was simply someone to pass the time with until rescue would end this nightmare. But now... Rescue for her seems slim. She has to wonder if he has people who would be searching for him. She knows from his many tales of human cities in far-off lands that there were so many other humans who could build another ship and sail here in an effort to rescue him, and Izuku answers as such as soon as he is done mulling the answer over. But, at some point, they will realize we haven't returned to port on time. 
The course was charted before we ever set sail, giving a few months here and there for hunkering down during storms. Pachaco asks the next question tentatively. What about... for sinking? Well... Izuku draws the word out as he glances into the fire, his fish still held up to his face, but his mind goes elsewhere. She can tell he's thought of the logistics of his situation about as much as she has, but saying it out loud may make it more terrifying. They wouldn't. Everyone back home has no idea. There is no way for us to send a message. At some point, they will suspect we're lost at sea. He pauses before the next bit. I'm not expecting anyone to come rescue me. When they finally make the call, the call that we sank, they'll assume we're all dead. Ochako stares as Izuku takes a stick from his side and prods the fire. Sparks fly out from the heart of the flame and scatter before disappearing into the sand. He puts the stick back down before realizing she's still watching the fire's orange glow dance upon his cheeks and get lost in the dark tendrils of his curly hair. He can't read her mind. He can't possibly know that some part of her is somewhat relieved to hear there isn't anyone rushing down here to whisk him away from her. Another part of her is worried for him, and he seems to only pick up on that. The most likely scenario is that some other expedition team is already in the area, and one day they'll land here. He goes on to explain, putting a finger to his chin as he figures out how such an encounter may play out. Then I guess I could hitch a ride back home with them, wherever that is, and figure it out once I'm back in society. Izuku smiles at the thought and excitedly picks up his notebook from his other side, letting his food go cold on a clay plate. He flips through the pages, the drawings and remarks on the parchment making him more giddy by the second. Then I can publish and present my findings, especially my interviews with you. I'm sure some people may think I'm a hack, but I know my old professors will be interested. It would be the discovery of a lifetime. To think, I could discover all these new species and prove merfolk aren't just legends. He turns the book around to show her its contents. In the dim light of the fire, she can make out a drawing of herself in the dark charcoal he'd been using as of late. Ochako has seen her reflection in rain pools before, so she can instantly recognize herself, even in black and white, her spindly arms holding her body upright as her tail curls around her body, ending in the lyre tail flukes. There are arrows and letters filling up the space all around her, and whatever care he's put into the drawing has been strictly scientific, as he might any other fish on the reef. As he goes on to gush at the prospect, Ochako smiles and nods along. She had to expect he would leave if the opportunity presented itself. He probably expected her to do the same. Hope had to be held out for that, shouldn't it? She would always support her friend in whatever made him safe and happy. Even if that wasn't her.